I'm not one for chasing celebrities. I feel that the average everyday person has so much wisdom to share. I don't need someone famous to share it. But there are some people who have done amazing things and have great stories to share. One of those guys is a person by the name of James Fell. Uh, He writes on his website, Body for Wife. He's sort of an internet celebrity. What I like about his style is that he backs it with science. It's not all woo-woo stuff. And he's very real. He swears like a trooper. He has a great sense of humor. And maybe it's because we're the same age. I can relate to him. And he's from Canada as well, which is sort of like Australia, but sort of more north. Anyway, he's got a new book coming out, and as part of that, he was reaching out to see who would like to have him as a guest on their show. I was fortunate enough to be one of the people that he agreed to speak to. So without further ado, let's go and have a chat, find out more about his new book. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Now, today, I have an internet celebrity. Well, for want of a better term, he's a hell of a nice guy and has a very significant following and has done some very cool things. Not only that, unlike many celebrities who follow the politically correct line, my guest tells it how he thinks it, which I love. Please welcome to the show the man behind Body for White, James Fell. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you so much. Hey, James, I want to start the show the same way I do with every one of my guests. That is to ask you the question, how do you define success? Well, I think in if we can relate it to the book that's coming out in January, it's following your own true north where you have this this real self that is down deep that a lot of people have a tendency to suppress because of societal pressures and other paths that that people that they believe other people should have them follow and it's when you can find out what it is that you feel that you were really destined to do and have the ability to do well and saying you know regardless of what others may say that this is what I'm going to do with my life and I'm going to follow through with this and do it to the best of my ability. And it it was like with me with becoming a writer. I mean, I had a great job. I I have an MBA. I worked in business for a dozen years. I was making a lot of money and I was like, actually, I think I'd like to be a writer. (laughs) So at the age of 40, I made that switch and that was, that was success for me. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's, um, a nice and smooth segue into the book. So coming out in January is your new book, The Holy Shit Moment, How Lasting Change Can Happen in an Instant. I think many of us are looking for that magic pill that we can take and life changes. We get what we want, be it the new job, the weight loss, the new car, the new partner, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's not the sort of instant you're talking about, is it? Well, no, it's it's not. See, the thing is that that working in health and fitness for the last 10 years, one of the things that I'd really railed against was this whole quick and easy mindset of how you can get what you want fast. And uh, and because I railed against that kind of stuff, I wasn't my, my first weight loss book wasn't selling nearly as well as, say, your typical 
Jillian Michaels type of book. <laughs> and uh, because, you know, it was, it was the harsh, brutal reality of what it really takes. And so, but, but then what I discovered by accident and was reminded that I'd had a similar experience myself is that when it comes to achieving success, you cannot deny that this takes work hour after hour, day after day, year after year, tremendous amounts of effort are required to achieve any lofty goal. You can't, you can't quick and easy your way to weight loss, as an example, or career, exam, or, or career success. However, sci- and we, we've shown scientifically that this can happen, your desire, your passion to achieve those goals can be awakened very quickly where instead of all of this effort seeming like a slog, toil, and drudgery, it can become your destiny, where it's something that you are overwhelmingly motivated to achieve. And instead of work, it almost feels like play, like something that you just must do and you derive tremendous enjoyment from. So that is the thing that can change very quickly, and that is the result of a holy shit moment. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of people I know who are, you know, at the age of 60 are still wondering what they want to be when they grow up. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, or people who are looking for this holy shit moment. And some people will have a half holy shit moment. So how do you, you've had the, maybe not the full epiphany, but you've had the idea and you're like, oh, I want to do this. But the motivation to take the action is because as you say in your book, it's all about the action. You can make the decision, but you've got to back it up with the action. So how do you how do you sustain that? How do you back up that epiphany? How do you convert it from um, what used to be a chore to now being something that you happily do without having to brainwash yourself? You know, like if you're dieting, you're sort of white knuckling, I can't eat this. How do you make it so it's effortless? Well, generally, there is some type of transformative experience. This isn't something that you can follow a series of logical steps, and then after step number X, then it happens. It's, there's, a, there's a great book by a couple of uh, psychology researchers called The Eureka Factor, and there's a line in there that said that it's about gaining tremendous insight that transforms everything in your mind and your life where, where everything, all these bits of information that are floating around coalesce in a uniquely profound way. And the line in the book is that these insights are like cats. They can't be called, but they can be coaxed. So the book is full of a lot of information about how to coax the cat of sudden insight. There's, uh, there's many anecdotes. So there's a lot of science in the book, but there's many anecdotes as well. There's one example of a man who lost over 200 pounds who had tried and failed many times to lose weight. He knew it was something that he wanted to do, that he had to do, but he was... He never had that motivation to do it. But then through a singular transformative experience, what happened was instead of focusing on changing the external behaviors, have you seen the movie Shrek? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so in Shrek, he says, ogres are like onions, layers. And he rips apart the onion showing the layers. And people are the same way. It's called Rokic's model of personality. And the external layer of the onion, that's our our behaviors and our actions. You go down a layer and you've got beliefs and then you've got attitudes and then identity and values. And at the core level is the self, who you really are. And, And what happens with most people with cognitive behavior change, 
we get preached this slow and steady tortoise baby steps approach. And the reason why is because it's freaking painful. When you are focusing on, ex- on changing just those external behaviors, you are doing battle with everything within that of who you, who you are. And, uh, and that's why they say, go really slow, just change a little bit. Gradually, um, painfully develop these habits until you drag yourself over a tipping point. The way the life-changing epiphany works is the complete opposite of that. And I'm not saying that that slow and steady way is completely wrong. Uh, it's, it's what we know. It's been researched up the ass. And, and the thing is, it's the, it's the approach that you can take while you wait for the epiphany to happen. But, um, but what happens with a life-changing moment is that at the core center of your being, and this isn't something that happens slowly. It's something that happens with a flash of emotional insight that transforms you at a core being. And it's not necessarily saying that you change so much as you are revealed. It's not like, oh, you're going to become a completely different person. It's more like the person that you've always really been and yearned to be is finally allowed to let reign. And when that inner core is allowed to let rain as to your true north, who you truly are, all of these external behaviors and actions just line up magic, I don't say magically, but <laughs> effortlessly. Yeah. So the example of the man that lost a couple of hundred pounds, um, he, had, he went through a massive identity shift in a moment because what had happened was um, he, he was a married man that he wanted children but his wife and him had decided that was for later after he'd lost weight, got healthy and felt like he could handle it. He weighed 410 pounds and he didn't feel that, you know, right or wrong. He did not feel that he should be having children weighing that much. And, uh, and so his wife came out of the bathroom with an unexpected pregnancy test. And in an instant, he described it as a combination of being struck by lightning and a baseball bat upside the head where his old identity was this anchor that weighed him down. And that old identity died in an instant. And a new Chuck was, was born in an instant where this, this new Chuck was, had the identity of father placed upon him just like that. And he decided in that, in that moment that, well, since I'm going to be a father, I am now a new person who is going to take his health very seriously. And he said that from that day forward, he never struggled with motivation again, where it it still took a couple of years to lose all of that weight, but he's kept it off more than 10 years now because it was such a powerful change where he just became someone who exercised regularly and he became someone who ate better with this new identity, the shift that he went through. And you talk throughout the book a lot about how this, the changes that people are after, they're not a cognitive thing. You can't think the change. The ones who have had a lot of these um, holy shit moments, so to speak, have been like that example. They've been a very emotive, a very values-based kind of thing. So for someone who is more cognitive and probably thinks too much, how do they shift to get out of their head into their heart and start to feel it? like, you know, for example, this person was the external, their wife was pregnant. Uh, there's another story yeah. in the book about the large guy who had no friends, but uh, got a dog from the welfare center. And then yeah. they really connected. And after caring for the dog, got into self-care and realized that 
he wasn't a worthless individual at all. He had, he had love to give. So how do you tap into that without forcing it? Because a lot of the things that you've talked about, a lot of your examples are these, they're not forced. They flow. They're effortless. They're, they're using the force for want of a better terminology. <laughs> that is true. Uh, well, so how do you tap into that? There's, there's a lot of different um, tips throughout the book that are sort of folded in where, where, I ask, where I give people little tasks. And we're not sure which one of them is going to work or if any of them are going to work. There's no guarantees with this. This is a, hey, this is such a cool, powerful thing that if it happens, I really want it to happen for you. We're going to stack the deck the best we can and we're going to hope. But that, that being said, so that's the caveat that the, this is not a guaranteed method of working. But, and, and when I even started the book, I didn't even, wasn't sure that it could be a how-to, but there were so many researchers that said, yes, you can absolutely increase the likelihood of this happening in the very general sense. Now there's, there's hundreds of tips throughout the book, but in a very general sense, when we think about changing ourselves, changing our behaviors, regardless of, you know, maybe it's being a, a kinder spouse or, or a more giving person or, you know, exercising more, eating better, putting more focus on your career, going back to school, anything. We have a tendency to analyze the shit out of those things. We think them to death. And there's an analogy in the book that dates back to um, Plato writing about a conversation that, that Socrates had um, called the, uh, the, the, the charioteer and uh, about the charioteer. And it's, there's the rider and there's the horses. The rider is the, um, is our analysis and our analytical brain, how we think about things. They're, they're the ones that, that provide that bit of direction as to where we want to go. But the horses are the emotional drivers. They're the ones that make it go, the one that have the passion that, that drives the chariot forward. And if they decide that they're going to go in a certain direction, then that's the direction that you're going to go. <laughs> so one of the things that people need to do is instead of always just analyzing how they think about something. They have to analyze how they feel about something. And there's a lot of pre-work that can be involved in having one of these life-changing, changing transformative experiences. And what it is, it involves analysis, then distraction. While you're thinking about it, isn't when it happens. <laughs> it happens when you are not actively not thinking about it. So it can involve things like meditation. Getting outside in nature can be a really big help. Shower thoughts are incredibly powerful. There's a, there's a lot of, one of the things about being in the shower is that it's something you've done thousands of times. So you don't have to think about, okay, do I soap this armpit? Do, you know, do, do I wash my hair? Um, there's a white noise effect where there's no other distractions. Generally, you don't take your phone in the shower. If you do, stop doing that. <laughs> um, and it's, it's soothing, it's warm, it's relaxing, it's your time. You know, uh, maybe you're by yourself. In this case, you, you would probably want to be by yourself. Um, so what happens is you can do a lot of investigative research into, well, what is it that I want to do with the rest of my life? What, what, is, what is going to inspire me to live with passion and drive? And, and do some homework, analyze how you feel about it. And then stop thinking about it and then do some free association while you go out for a walk. Don't take your phone with you. Your phone is not going to allow you to have this sudden insight or 
have it in the shower. And that's when it pops in. There's all these examples. There's a great story in the book of a man, uh, Judah Folkman, who is a cancer researcher that did tons and tons of research about, um, about how when a primary tumor is removed, that all of a sudden other little tumors can, can pop up around it. And they're, he couldn't, they couldn't figure out why. And the sudden, he was a Jewish man that, uh, that went to temple and that he was in temple. That was when he had a sudden insight. He wasn't in the lab. He was distracted in a, uh, a relaxing uh, prayer filled environment. That's generally when it happens. Same thing happened with Einstein when um, theory of relativity came to him while he was taking a break. He was like, okay, man, I've done enough. I just, it, it's called analyze until you get stuck where you're <laughs> stuck and you don't know what the answer is and then stop distract, do something enjoyable, relaxing, where your mind can just free flow. And then all these little bits of information that are floating around in your brain, that's when it can all coalesce. And the key is that it needs to be a relaxing environment, not a stressful environment. Later in the day is good too, because we're a little more tired and we're a little more, have a little more free, your brain is not so constrained. Right. So what, you know, you've talked about not taking your phone in the shower and not taking your phone on, on, on a walk and stuff. What kind of impact is, because we seem to be addicted to technology, particularly the younger generation, and, and, but not only the younger generation, but, the, you know, they're on their devices a lot. What kind of impact is this addiction to technology or the, the addiction to not being alone with our own thoughts? Because it seems there are a lot of people who always... Uh, trying to distract themselves because I cannot spend time in my own brain. That's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> what, like, that sounds like that's going to have a serious impact on people who are trying to have one of these holy shit moments or have an epiphany because they're not, it's sort of like we're not um, uh, uh, fertilizing the garden bed to allow the actual seed to grow. It's yeah. we're, we're, we're forcing going, come on, go, go, go. And it's just never going to happen under those conditions. Yeah. It is a problem. <laughs> Absolutely. If you are afraid of spending time alone in your own head, as you said, you're going to have a big problem with, with how, if you constantly have to be distracted by something external, then, um, then yeah, that's going to be an issue. Like I know a lot of people, I'm an avid runner and an avid cyclist. I listen to music while I do those things. And it, you know, these are all songs that I've probably heard hundreds of times. So, so they're, they're easy. They're not that distracting. Right. And, and, but I know a lot of people that they prefer to listen to podcasts while they, while they run and cycle. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that because that is my free association time. The best ideas that I have come to me while I'm out for a run or out for a bike ride. The idea for this book came to me on a bike ride. Yeah, so it is a, it's a matter of, and it's funny because I was thinking the people who are most after one of these holy shit moments or an epiphany to change their life because they're not happy with it are the ones who are probably not happy with their circumstance and maybe giving themselves a whole lot of negative thoughts and lacking that mm. space. So how can, how can people start to go down the path to be nicer to themselves? You're talking about um, in, in the book, throughout the book, there is an underlying theme of you've got to be a bit gentler to yourself. You've got to love those around you. You've got to, you know, embrace yourself with this, this positive support and love. So what are a couple of things that people can start to do? Just give themselves permission to a be themselves and b accept that that's okay. Well, self-compassion, it really is a key issue 
And it, there's a difference between self-compassion and self-esteem. Self-esteem can have a tendency towards building nar- narcissism, whereas self-compassion is about caring for yourself as well as having empathy for those around you. But it also allows you to, when, when, you, have, when you focus on self-compassion, one of the things you end up thinking about is, well, what do I need to do that is right for me? And you also want to have an attitude of not just right for me, but right for the people that I care about the most. And the, this allows you to start investigating things that, that instead of doing what society expects, which is, you know, maybe it's all about making money or having this ideal physique that, you know, we, we're expected to achieve or, um, or being some tremendous business success or whatever, it allows you to figure out, well, what is it that's going to have the greatest positive impact on me and the people that I care about the most? And regardless of what other societal expectations may be out there. And we don't always know what the answer to that question is. But once you start asking the question Mm -hmm. of what is it, and you just start to think and examine and investigate, look at what other people are doing, Anytime something piques your curiosity, give it a bit of uh, investigation. This is the analytical portion of it that is very important, that it's something that we need to really consider deeply. Uh, you, don't, you don't just sit back and wait for it to happen. <laughs> there, there, there is the analytical portion, but then it happens when you're not actively thinking about it. So this whole thing about not being in your own head, like when I go out for a run, um, uh, my brain is all over the place. It's thinking about anything and everything and, and fantasies and, and rock music and, and, uh, and watching out for that car that I'm worried is going to hit me and stuff <laughs> like that. But then, you know, the, the brain just jumps from thing to thing to thing to thing. And then suddenly something powerful can pop in out of nowhere. And, you know, it, it can happen in the shower. I've had great ideas in the shower. Yeah. And sometimes right upon wakening when you don't leap out of bed right away, but you just sort of lie there with your sort of fuzzy brained thoughts. It's when you're really, truly relaxed and not actively trying to think about something. When Usually when these unique, powerful, deeply emotional ideas pop into your head with a sense of rightness, that's what makes the difference is that this is something that just when it happens, you know, it's the right thing because it, feels right you've you've got and that's why it motivates because you're like yeah this is what i gotta do (laughs) hey um uh, just a quick one that i I need to cover um uh, many of the people who know me will acknowledge that i am a uh nutritional overachiever and so (laughs) frequently i will um i'll see other joggers or people exercising and i'll go oh you evil sick bastards out there running and you describe (laughs) it as the yeah whatever so it's like the um, oh, I'd, I'd actually secretly like to be exercising myself, but if I put that down, then I don't have to, and it's sort of a, yeah, whatever. Talk to me you, just you quickly about the, for the yeah, and whatever's yourself. and how to move through it. Yeah, you, you end up making excuses for both them and yourself, where it's like, well, they probably don't work as hard as I do, or they don't have kids, and that's it's the battling your cognitive bias that you have to get through. And one of the key elements there is just, you, it, it's called acceptance commitment therapy practice where you, you try and analyze, you catch yourself doing it. When, when you see it happening, 
right? And you're like, damn it, I'm doing it again. <laughs> and then you, you try and stop yourself and say, okay, well, you ask yourself the question, who do I really want to be in this moment? Do I want to be the person who is making these excuses or do I want to analyze my feelings and try and get down to the core of what's causing this? And it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. And if you keep practicing, then eventually you can start to look at it from a different perspective where you can say, you know what? Okay, I'm just going to try doing that for five minutes and see how it goes. Yeah, great. Uh, James, thanks so much for your time today. Um, the book is coming out in January. Um, this podcast is based in Australia. I'm assuming it's going to be available worldwide. Uh, if people uh, want to get access to it, how do they, how do they get a copy of the book? So the, um, the best place is probably just to go to my website, bodyforwife.com. And uh, there's a tab called books and you can get it there. So right now we've got North American release and UK release and uh, we're working on international sales. So there, uh, and I think things are looking good for Australia. So hopefully Australia is going to be coming up soon. Awesome. Yeah. And, and right. just, just so the listeners know, there is some reference. There's a couple of Australian case studies that you've got in your book as well. Um, and so it, yes. and having read through it, it does have global appeal. One of the things that appeals to me the most is a stack of the little pop culture references that you put through, which is very much your style. And so yeah. I want to finish up. One of my favorite Christmas films is, of course, The Muppets Christmas Carol. And the line, light the lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. <laughs> so what are three things that we can do straight away to light the lamp and not the rat? Number one, buy the book. What would be two and three? Um, well, I would say beyond buying the book is... Uh, be willing to make a more deeper emotional connection with yourself and uh and because society has a tendency to want us to push those emotions down and and not not display too much of what our feelings are and the other one is be willing to embrace weirdness and do different things if you're going to have a different result in terms of a transformative experience. You need to do different things in order to initiate that. That if you keep engaging in the same old thing day after day and the same old manners of thinking day after day, then it's not going to happen. So you got to be able to embrace a bit of weirdness and a little bit of different, uh, different approaches and different ways of thinking if you're going to help initiate this. Fantastic. James, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Warwick. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. GetMoreSuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.